Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. talking a lot about what the Cardinals could do this offseason, where they can improve the most, and one of the best in the business is Keith Law, who writes about baseball over at The Athletic, and he wrote up the 50 best MLB free agents for this offseason. He's joining us now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Keith, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing this morning? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh, Doing very well. So I wanted to start kind of big picture with you because we have seen a few signings in recent days at the general manager's meetings or while they're taking place. Do you think we're going to see a flurry of signings over the next few weeks before there's that potential roster freeze when the CBA expires? My guess is we'll see some smaller signings because everything we've seen has been pretty small potatoes so Mm -hmm. far. Um, at least one guy off my top 50, Andrew Heaney, actually changed teams. I think the rest have been mostly, like like I said, smaller moves, re-signings, a couple of little trades. Maybe we'll see one uh, preemptive strike. Like uh, I think back to when Alex Anthopoulos a couple years ago signed Josh Donaldson to a one-year deal before we got to Thanksgiving. It was just get in quick. We want this guy one year. It was 20-something million dollars. And that was it. We might see one or two like that. The big names here, my guess, sign after the lockout is resolved after we have a new CBA. Not that the CBA itself determines it, but my guess is owners will say, we want to make sure we're going to play a full season before we start committing full season dollars to any of the premium guys. Keith, speaking of that one-year deal, we've had this conversation because it's been put out on the national side of of a possibility of a player like Trevor Story signing a one-year kind of prove-it deal after his time in Colorado. Could you see that as a possibility for for him with the knowledge of knowing how big the shortstop market is? It is a big shortstop market. For folks who haven't seen my top 50, it is overstuffed. With shortstops, and I'd say shortstops and second basemen who could potentially be shortstops, like Marcus Semyon, who is a very good shortstop, but played second base and was elite there this past year for Toronto. I'd be surprised if Story had to do that. There are a lot of players on my list who I suggested would do well to go do those one-year kind of make-good contracts, or uh, Scott Boris has referred to them as pillow deals. You land softly somewhere for a year, go have a huge season, then go back out into a weaker free agent market a year from now without the CBA uncertainty and sign the long-term deal. I don't know that Story's that guy. I think Story's reputation within the game among front offices is strong enough that people would be willing to go multiple years with him. Also, they're going to look to the example of 
DJ LeMayhew, a guy whose offense was not really expected to survive outside of Colorado, who went to the Yankees and had two pretty good seasons there before this past year when he finally started to come back down to earth. But I think he is the latest in, a, in the line of guys who have left Colorado and performed reasonably well offensively that would make enough teams say, yeah, we'll, we'll do this with Story. We believe he can play shortstop. He definitely has power. Um, I think he's going to be worse offensively outside of Colorado, but good enough that someone gives him three or four years. Is he the guy that makes the most sense for the Cardinals, Keith? Because, I, I mean, Correa and Seager obviously are both awesome players, but this team very mm-hmm. rarely goes the eight- to ten-year route, and both of them seem like prime candidates to do so. If they're not going to be swimming in those waters, is is Trevor Story the best option for them to improve at shortstop? I don't think so. I'm probably more bearish on story than most because I think that his offensive skill set is one that like, I don't think he's going to fall to pieces outside of Colorado. He's going to be a pretty low on base percentage guy. I think away from Colorado, I think the power transfers and I don't know that he's as good a defensive player as his reputation or as defensive metrics before this last season really indicated. And my guess is if the Cardinals are going to go out and invest in a shortstop, it's going to be someone who can really no doubt play the position. I'd be really curious to see if they'd be interested in Javi Baez, who I think is one of the more fascinating players on the market, because Cardinals also just have a reputation, well-deserved, as a great player development organization. Now, Baez isn't a kid or a prospect, but he is also not really fully developed. There's absolutely room for improvement in his offensive game. I think defensively, he brings a ton to the club in terms of range, arm, baseball IQ. He is the best at tagging players that maybe I've ever seen, but you can definitely get something more out of him. Someone can get something more out of him at the plate. And if I were the Cardinals, there might be, I would be asking that question internally. Are we that club? Do we believe we have the skill set in our coaching staff and our R and D staff to work with a player like that and get him to be even a little bit more selective at the plate, which makes him an MVP candidate. You know, the one thing for me, Keith, that's interesting about this offseason is Cardinals fans have talked a lot about fixing the shortstop market. But the the more important one for me, I think, is just getting that impact bat. Does it have to be mm-hmm. a shortstop, in your opinion? Could it be a Nick Castellanos or a Kyle Schwarber that the Cardinals solution becomes? Yeah, I think it would be a mistake, <clears throat> a mistake to say it has to be the shortstop, right? Those do not have to be the same player, which I think is essentially what you're asking, that that it does not make sense to say, we need an impact bat, we need a shortstop. Okay, that's one player. Well, yeah, if you're, look, if you're willing to give Carlos Correa $300 million, yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Good, good talk, right? That's, <laughs> and, and would he be a great solution for the Cardinals? Of course he would. So would Seager. But would it make more sense for them to say, Actually, if you're in the Cardinals situation, I'm going to restart my sentence there. The best thing for the Cardinals to do is say, we're going to do one of those two things in free agency. We don't actually care which one it is. We get the impact bat, we get the impact shortstop, meaning somebody who's, who's providing more on defense but maybe less at the plate. And the other one, the other gap, the other hole in our, our uh, lineup, we're going to solve some other way via trade, via internal solutions. And see what the market gives you. Because of the blood of shortstops, going back to what you said at the, at the beginning, maybe one of those guys falls a little bit through the cracks, so to speak, and becomes more affordable for the Cardinals. Maybe not. Maybe it's that the market looks at all the Castellanos and Schwarber and uh, other types who are you know, the sort of mediocre corner outfielders, maybe better off at first base, but can really hit. Maybe you get one of those guys kind of cheaper, and then you can use other assets to go solve the shortstop problem. Because they do have... They still have players to trade. They still have some depth at certain spots. 
um, in the upper levels of their system that I think they could get creative on the trade market. And they generally do. This is an organization that's not afraid to trade prospects or younger players. So I could see them saying, we sell one through free agency, we sell one through trade, and still coming out at a, at a place where Cardinals fans should be happy. Speaking of uh, finding that left-handed bat and a, a bat that can help them, um, Keith, and we're talking to Keith Law, baseball writer for The Athletic, uh, we've talked a lot about finding somebody that can maybe lead off for them because this team just doesn't have a ton of options for that spot right now, the high on base percentage in particular against right-handed pitching. They've got a lot of options against lefties, but not against righties. We've talked about Duffy. We've talked about Josh Harrison. Are there any other guys on the market that you think could be interesting? Maybe either the the fourth outfielder type who can platoon and, and lead off against right-handed pitching or middle infielders that could be of interest for this team in particular. I mean, the guy who jumps out at me and another guy who I think would be a perfect Cardinals target with one big caveat would be or have been Michael Conforto because he is a very patient hitter. He is a high on base percentage guy. Typically he's been kind of banged up and he's just coming off of a down year where I thought, I think there's a lot of flukiness in that. I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I think there was some bad, some, just some bad luck on balls in play and some minor injury things that held him back. He's a perfect, another one of those one year, you know, rehab or pillow contract type of guys. And that's made him a qualifying offer. Yeah. So there's going to be draft pick compensation attached. That kind of stinks for him. So maybe he just takes it. I might actually, if I were his agent, um, I'm not, it turns out. But <laughs> if I were his agent, I might actually say, you know what, just take it. You're probably not going to get more than that on a one-year deal. And then once you take a qualifying offer, you can't receive one the following year. So he could go back out into free agency next winter off of what I widely expect to be a better season and not have the draft pick attached. So not to bring up a guy who's probably forbidden fruit, but he, he really fits what you're talking about. And if for any reason he rejects the offer, the Cardinals should at least look into it and see if they're willing to give up that draft pick because he is very much that kind of player. Keith, final one from me. We, we've heard a lot of people say that the Cardinals' primary thing they should be focusing on this offseason is pitching and fixing this are are strengthening the rotation for this team is there a starter pitcher with the exception of Max Scherzer because I don't think the Cardinals are diving into 50 million dollars a year waters but is there a pitcher Mm -hmm. that matches the Cardinals need for this upcoming season I mean I would love to see this happen it's probably not going to it's my number one starter on my free agent uh, rankings is Marcus Stroman. And I assume you guys remember the story. They almost drafted him. They were going to draft him and the Blue Jays picked their pockets. I think it was exactly one pick ahead. The Cardinals were, as the story goes, had the magnet in their hand to take Stroman and the Blue Jays took him and they ended up having to kind of scramble and took the, uh, the senior outfielder, James Ramsey in that spot instead. I hope I have all my details right on that. It would be really fascinating if he kind of came back, right? Everything came back full circle and they ended up with him. And there's a lot of things about him that scream Cardinal starter to me. Um, and I just, I have him ranked first because I 100% believe Stroman will hold his value over the course of a four or five year contract. I wonder if Stroman is headed for a larger market than that because he is, even if you don't think he's the absolute best on this market, he's one of the best two or three. I just think he would, he would check pretty much every box that the Cardinals are looking for. It just seems more likely given their, um, you know, relative, cons- relatively conservative approach to free agent starters. They'll probably look more at the second tier, of which there are quite a few guys. There are a lot of decent starters. You know, league average starters are better available on this market, and I think they'll find 
someone. I, you know, what, it might be more of the guys who are taking the two to three year deals at the lower AAV than the Marcus Strowmans, and certainly than the Max Scherzers, where that market is slightly terrifying. And I say that as someone who will vote for Max Scherzer for the Hall of Fame as soon as he's on the ballot. But oh my God, am I not? I'm not paying Max Scherzer to be Hall of Fame Max Scherzer, right? He's not that guy right now. We're, none of us are what we used to be. Yeah, we've talked a lot about him, given the St. Louis connection there, of course. But if you're going to do the $40 million, I just there's better ways for this team to spend that kind of money. I did want to ask you a little bit of a follow-up, because you mentioned that mid-tier starting market. We've talked a lot about it, as you can imagine. The John Gray, Anthony DiSclefani, Steven Matz. How do those guys, Keith, in your mind, compare with some of the potential trade targets that are out there? There was the uh, rumor that emerged yesterday. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but that the Marlins would be potentially willing to consider trading from their pitching surplus uh, a guy like Jorge Lopez might make some sense for this team and then the A's if they decide to go through another reset uh, looking out there at Sean Manaya also makes a lot of sense for this team how do those free agents compare in your mind with some of the potential trade options that could be available Manaya is a great fit I'm glad you threw that name out there um, it wouldn't have come to mind immediately but yes he would be an ideal fit for a lot of reasons he does have a pretty checkered health history. He's had not just elbow, but shoulder trouble um, and a hip injury that was the reason he fell pretty much out of the first round to the Royals. Oh, God, I'm 10 years ago now. Um, but I like him. When he's healthy, he's good. I would absolutely want to have him. John Gray, to me, is another one. Like I'm trying to, you know, you're, you're hearing a consistent theme in my answers, and it's that I believe the Cardinals have the ability, have the core competence to take players who've underperformed relative to their ability or their ceilings elsewhere and make them better. I think the Cardinals have done that quite a bit. You know, people talk about Cardinals devil magic and maybe maybe Satan is involved, but it's probably (laughs) just player development. And John Gray is one of the best examples. The Rockies mishandled him several times, changed his delivery, changed it back. His stuff was maybe never an ideal fit for Colorado. Regardless, they didn't do him a lot of favors. Then they didn't make him a qualifying offer, which is shocking to me, especially because he might've just accepted it and they need some pitching. Would I love to get John Gray on a one, two-year deal? I might even give him three years if I really believed in my player development. But I would absolutely, it's the first guy they should be checking in on to say, we want you. We think we can fix these things. Obviously, you don't have to pitch at altitude anymore. Come here, reestablish yourself. If you want to do a shorter duration deal, one or two years, you can go back out on the market next winter. Fine. We are happy to be your landing spot on a temporary basis. And he would be at the top of that list. I like Di Sclafani. I like Matt. Matt is another good win healthy guy. But Gray, to me, is the most intriguing, I think, has the highest upside of that whole class of players in free agency or in trade. He's Keith Flaw. Like I said, one of the best in the business. You can read his full write-up. It is comprehensive. It is very good. Worth your time over at The Athletic. The 50 best MLB free agents for this offseason. It starts with Carlos Correa, and then it continues from there. Also, you can follow him on Twitter, at Keith Law. Keith, we always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll talk with you again soon. My pleasure, guys.